Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. and welcome back to the Gallery Gap, a podcast that examines inequity and equity in museums, exhibitions, collections, and programming. I am Claire. <laughs> I'm just reading. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I'm Melissa. Oh, my goodness. So last week we heard from Chicago-based artist Jefferson Pinder as he reflected on his exhibition, Ghost Light, which just closed this week at the Figgy. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode 11, we suggest that you go back, have a listen, and then join us here in episode 12 as we're going to be continuing that conversation. So uh, for some of you, we will be here when you get back. But this week, we pick up where that conversation left off by asking Jefferson to describe the exhibition's multifaceted installation and performance elements. So you walk into the space, you see three areas of, um, of installations and, and objects and videos in between. And, uh, the first area you walk into is, is, a, is a layered platform that, that Steve Banks calls uh, Ziggurat, and he's a master builder who helped with the process of the whole installation. Um, that is, you know, what you first see. Then you, you know, you, you look to the right of that, and you'll see like uh, old CRT television sets with with faces on them, um, of people who just had their hair cut, um, almost in a Nam June Pike style. They're, they're layered um, talking heads or, or quiet heads, actually. That that you know, they're moving around in space. Then directly opposite of that is actually the um, the barbershop installation. And to the left, the ghost light itself, which is a, a symbol that I'll talk to talk about in a second, and then the conversation, which is uh, it's a platform with a railing on it that that's reminiscent of possibly an old you know seventies game show or a courtroom, uh, and then there's two uh, stylish seventies chairs that that individuals can sit on, and behind those chairs are um, monitors that have two women, one black and one white, uh, locked into uh, almost like a staring match. And kind of that's, that's the lay of the land of the, the space. Uh, the ghost light idea came to me when I was thinking about um, how great it is when you walk into a theater at night and you see a, a one solitary light that represents like this experience. And then your mind goes uh, wild thinking about all the different things that could have happened in that space and all the different people that have entered that space. And that light, you know, not only keeps you from falling off the stage, but it also um, reminds you of, of a constant, that, that this active space is, is continual. That even when you're there in the middle of the night, there is that energy and it doesn't go away. So I wanted to create that for Ghost Light. I wanted to create an installation in which you have um, these objects that were used in performance, or these these this set, um, these these installations that, that were part of uh, performances that happened, but without the presence of, of of a person, that that light would be on. And then when people come into that space to perform, the light goes off. So it's a bit of a placeholder for an installation because as a performing artist that's something that you, that you grapple with is like well how do you p portray performance when there's none there you know when it's that empty space um it, it requires a little bit of imagination but the light kind of has become symbolic of that experience with the ghost light 
I know that that had earlier iterations as you were pulling this idea together for the for what the entire exhibition would look like. You've talked a little bit about what is in the space. Do you want to talk about what didn't happen or what you um, what had to evolve based on what you were what you did learn about this area? Yeah. Gosh, you know, I, I had all these ideas, and then I realized that <laughs> I live in Chicago. <laughs> um, and so what was a blessing, uh, it made me nervous, is is that the dependency on, on the community to help put everything together. From all the individuals, um, you know, that, that you know, that this is a, a, co- a collaborative effort. I mean, when you go into that exhibition, or, you, you know, I guess... When a viewer would come into the space, uh, you know, we're used to thinking that there's one person who makes everything. Um, but usually that's, you know, that doesn't always have to be the case. I think in a contemporary art practice, uh, um, a lot of things come together to make a good exhibition. It's like just like if you look at any album and you look at the lead singer, oh, that's great. They have a, a nice voice, but look at all the different people that help make that happen. It's like, I'm in part, I feel like an impresario. But um, out of practicality, the fact that, you know, things needed to be built and I wasn't here. So people like Nancy Solbrig, Tim Guy, um, Steve Banks uh, were, were major contributors, as well as uh, Joshua Johnson at the museum and Andrew Wallace as well, I think, rolled up his sleeves. And, and I think it became a collaborative effort. So I think it, that's, it, this is unique to that regard, um, that, um, that the exhibition kind of relied on the community for its execution. And, and I'm proud of that. It, it's nothing to hide about. And, and, and I think that it's better because of it. I think it's also great for people in the community to be able to point their finger and say, yeah, I worked on that. Can we talk about hours for a minute? Sure. You've spent a significant amount of time in our community Mm -hmm. going all the way back to your very first um, or to your your first solo video installation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about what it took, like what you've put into this yourself? Yeah, you're Chicago based, but you're also hopping around on other projects. Um, Life, of course, is happening simultaneously. And you're spending significant amounts of time in our community. Right. What did it take? You were here for a month in January. That's right. And then you were here almost every weekend. Yeah, every weekend, pretty much. Um, yeah, and it was it was like a the most bizarre time, you know, because I mean, on top of my father passing, I, you know, I received you know a couple awards in this period of time. So it's just like it's, it's like happy days on one hand, and then it's just like oh my gosh, and then I'm wondering like. You know, important. I think in those moments, uh, you you wonder like, is what you're doing that important? And sometimes I think maybe not. But this case, I thought it was. You know, I, I was committed to this idea, and I, I liked coming here. Um, other than the one way streets, <laughs> <laughs> and whose idea was that? Whose crazy idea was those one way streets? But anyway, trying I trying to get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do that differently <laughs> because it it. It challenged me, you know. It's like, well, how do you get to know a place? Um, because that is what's the complexity of Davenport. Because oh, you go to the downtown area, you're going to get a very different vibe than you get if you go all the way up Brady to, you know, I guess where all of the shops and, and the malls are. And, and that's almost like a completely different culture than you get from the downtown culture. Then you go across the bridge and you go to Rock Island and Bettendorf and Moline. I mean, it's just like... Um, it's hard to really put your finger on it. It's slippery. And so it required time here. And at first I thought, well, I could do a lot of research online. I can learn about it, find the places to go, where to hit. But 
you know, in reality, it was just like it, it, I had, it had to be, you know, feet on the ground, you know. And um, I guess that was, that was demanding. That was a lot more demanding because you want to do a good job. Even if the piece, you know, you never know how successful the work is going to be. I mean, that's, that's the risk. The risk is it could be great, it could be amazing, and sometimes it could fall flat. But the, the reality is uh, you've got to put the time in uh, for, for it, it to be successful. And, and really, um, it's, it's great to spend time getting to know people. And, and, and if you want people to show up for you, you have to, to be there for them. Um, so I, I think that was really important to do. I felt like it was a residency of sorts. And, and it's expensive, you know. And that's why, you know, I just commend the Figgy for putting the time and resources in, into this project. Because it's not cheap to have someone live. I mean, they, they paid for me to live here for, uh, I think, you know, two months at least and you know weekends here and there so i think that, that it's it's a it's a pro but to do something like this right and and it, it and it wouldn't be the same if there was someone from in town doing this project um you need someone a, a fresh pair of eyes to come into town and say wow like why are the streets running this way <laughs> or that way <laughs> or like where are the black folks <laughs> so <laughs> and 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 we found them you know it now it's it's the matter of of like trying to figure out like of um, how to get uh, folks to come to the museum that don't have traditionally, and that's that's a haven't traditionally gone to the museum, and that's a problem that every single museum all across the nation is dealing with right now. It's like how to bring new people into the museum, or how to take the museum to them, and mm-hmm. and this project is somewhere in between, I think. Where does this fall, or where have you situated this in terms of what you've done before, and where you hope to go, or are already going on other projects? Like where where does like, this fit into this the practice? Is, yeah, like you were doing sculpture, you were right. doing film. It involved performance. I think of the. I apologize. The the rowing one. I can't remember right. what ben it's Hur. called. Yeah. Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. So you know you've done aspects of all of this, but you've pulled it together in a new way here, mm-hmm. and now, I mean, you probably haven't even thought about what happens after. You know, actually, I have, and this is important. This this show is important for me. I mean, I if you look, take a look at my body of work. They're black bodies, and I don't know. Maybe I had a eureka moment, like. A couple of years ago, and I'm like, man, it it it, it responds to this is a, this is a dialogue, this isn't a monologue. That somehow there has to be an interaction. I have to start working with white people, <laughs> and so you know, and it, and and you know, when the whole thing happened with the exhibition, where I had to make some changes, and and there were individuals who were ready to go, that happened to be white. I you know, I was like, well, you know, am am I gonna want to get the work done? Or am I going to try to be specific? And then I realized that it was it was holding me back a little bit, that I had these ideas in my mind. But part of my, I mean, but it comes from a place from, you know, going to, to art school, going to, to, to a theater program, and always having to work with this idea of, of whiteness. But I, you know, but one of the things I'm really excited about is is being able to expand and grow. And being able to do black identity work with white bodies. And one of the things that um, I, I wrote a proposal for um, the Guggenheim Foundation, uh, which was about creating a road trip, which started in Florida and toward um, the southern half of the United States, in which there were stops along the way in which there would be performances. And I wanted them to be in conservative places. That I, it wasn't enough for me to do my work in museums or in, in safe sp- places. That I wanted to not only work with different people, but I wanted somehow there to be some growth. That maybe I had, there was there was something to be learned 
um, from from conservative, maybe racist or prejudiced leaning people. Um, that that somehow that maybe in this last election there there hasn't been enough communication with these folks. That there needs to be a connectivity, and so you know I. I think beginning here, you know, and who would have known that Iowa would have gone red? Um, but, I mean, that's that's reality, that there is a community of, of disenfranchised people who probably were, were waiting for something different. Well, I wanted to hear from them. I wanted to work with them. I wanted to create work to some degree that was just as much about that experience as it is about mine and be able to play off those two things. So this road trip, this what I call the Afrofuturist road trip, was about space exploration. You know, it's like, you know, but space exploration into hostile environments. Um, it makes me think about the Freedom Riders, or it makes me think of the, you know, um, the, you know, the great American r- road trip, you know, Jack Kerouac. It's like it's a romantic idea of being able to travel on the road to make friends, to do work, um, and to explore kind of like the unknown. Uh, so I'm going to be starting in Florida. I'm spending a lot of time in, in Texas and Arizona and heading um, – West of California, San Diego. So I, I've spent very little time in the south, Southwest, so I'm looking forward to it. So that's going to be the summer of 2018. And I think this, this has been a prep for that because it's, it was new territory. It, it, it was a little bit of fear of the unknown. And, and also having to check myself as much as I'm checking in other people. You know what I mean? It's like saying, wait a second. I mean, do I have a bias here? And I think that's what needs to happen. I mean, it's I – mean, as, I mean, as an artist, I feel like I have the liberty to be as self-righteous as I want to be. But the truth is that the, the growth comes with, with somehow, you know, with, you know, the, the, the horrible, evil word that artists are never supposed to use, which is compromise. But I haven't worked on a project in which there hasn't been a compromise. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad word. Rather, it's just like there's certain things that you can and there's other things that you can't. And then negotiation is probably um, the most important element of all of it. It's like trying to figure out, like, what are the important things that I, I can't give up? Um, yeah. yeah. Values. Yeah. This is amazing. I, I look forward to you doing this. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm really good at the ideas, you know. <laughs> That's Alfredo Manteca, one of our producers who was in the room while we were talking to Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, yes, Jefferson. Sure. How do you protect Jefferson through all this journey as a militant yeah. artist, which are those boundaries? And how do you protect one to the other? That's a great question, because I don't know if I'm very good at it, to be honest. I don't know if I'm very good at protecting myself from myself. Um, that's why I rely... Um, I think you get these ideas sometimes, and, and they're not always... Like this whole road trip idea, I mean, I'm thinking I'm probably not going to get this thing because it sounds like it, I could kill my, get myself killed. You know what I mean? It's like... But you're right. That is one of my biggest things. It's like, well, sometimes when I'm less creative, I find myself like the tennis player running around the tennis court. You know what I mean? When I'm really creative, I can, you know, plant my feet and I can just return the serves. But then when, you know, like when I find myself like drained, then I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot more work than I need to. But that's part of the process, I think, in an odd, really um, masochistic way. I think um, that's how some of the good work gets done. And I think people like to see a tennis player running around the court, <laughs> you know. But, but how do I protect myself from myself? Um, I'm figuring it out. 
like I said today, I got a massage, and I was like, wow, that was a huge accomplishment. (laughs) You know, the idea of, like, actually, like, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to spend this hour, and I'm going to relax on a day that I have a lot going on. But um, I think I rely on on my colleagues and friends probably, um, uh, you know, more than average, because I think the nature of the work is that that at times I lose myself, you know. And I even... uh, I'm an emotional person, not, and, and sometimes I wish I was more analytical. But I go from the emotion and I try to channel it to something that's 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 more, I guess, linear, and 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 it doesn't always work. So, I guess to answer your question, it's something that I'm I'm learning to do, and I think it's going to be it's going to take a while to be able to to not only protect myself. Um, but to be smarter, you know, walking into situations, you know, and, and, and to, 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 to know. But, you know, I think part of the artist's journey is to always change what you do. So it's like every single show is, is different. Um, and I, I envy the painters who, you know, are almost like a slow evolution that, that, that build, you know, one thing on top of the other and they can see the evolution. For me, it's like it's, it's jumping from one thing to the next and, and trying to see if, if you know, I, I can – Find some levity in, in the moment. Uh, there has to be a pressure release that you got to figure out a way to laugh at some of it, you know, and to, to not take it so personally when when you run into somebody who has really different views from you, and maybe maybe it's not so so serious because out of the you know out of ten things, maybe three things you really don't get along with, but seven you <laughs> you could connect on, and I think that's probably the most important is try to figure out where the connections are. And, and try to see if you can work together to be more persuasive and getting them to understand the other three. It was such a pleasure speaking with Jefferson. Ghostlight was visually intriguing and incredibly thought-provoking. It provided our community with the time and place for reflecting on race in the Quad Cities, both past and present. And we'll expand on that conversation next week as we go beyond our immediate community and examine the work of Carol Walker and her current figgy exhibition, Emancipation Approximation. <laughs> Until then, just a reminder that if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and you can also listen to the episodes on WBIK's website. There's an email on that website in case you'd like to contact us. And also, don't forget that we include additional information and materials on our Facebook page that relate to the episodes. So if you're interested in digging deeper, be sure to follow us. And as always, thank you to the Augustana Teaching Museum of Art, the Figgy Art Museum, and WVIK for your continued support of this project. A special thanks to our production team, Lacey Scarmana and Alfredo Manteca, and this podcast would still just be a mere idea if it wasn't for the generous sponsorship of Paterson Pates Design. Thank you so much for making this program possible, and last but not least, thank you to all of our listeners. We'll be back next week. You wanted to make a joke about seeing, and I and I ruined I it for you. I can't handle it. I just have to say, I'll see you soon. I, this is very tough for me. Aww. 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 Aww.